What are some topics you often use for presentation classes that you think are good? Great question. I don't. I would never tell them what topic to use. In fact, we go through a, a very rigorous brainstorming activity where we ask the two main questions for brainstorming. Why me and why you? So they need to ask, why am I choosing? Why do I know about this topic? Is it about choose something that they are already familiar with? But then they also need to make sure the audience cares. Hi, and welcome to ELT WTF. This week, WTF stands for What Tims Feel. That's Tim's plural because I'm joined by Tim Thompson. Tim's a man who wears a lot of hats. He works as a presentation skills trainer, teacher trainer, examiner, editor, conference MC, and a podcast and video producer. But today he's here talking about ideas from his new book, Teacher's Toolbox, Presentation-Based Activities, which is available on Amazon. Full disclosure, this is a book that the ELT Workshop, a publishing company I'm part owner of, put out. But this isn't going to be a 20-minute sales pitch. Tim shares a lot of great ideas about using presentations in class. This isn't just for people who teach a module on presentation skills. We'll also discuss adapting presentations into any kind of class, as well as how to teach young learners presentation skills. Enjoy the show. It started with a opportunity to teach in a camp, a winter camp at the Korea Advanced Institute of Science and Technology. And I was doing regular speaking and reading and writing classes. And then I had the chance to do an elective class and presentation skills was one of the options. And I thought I'd give it a try. What was that first class like? It was good. It went, it went so well. I wrote an article about it because I had a, a four week intensive amount of time and I saw real improvement. And so I got very excited about that. And that kind of leads me on to my first question. Why are teachers sometimes wary about teaching presentation skills? I think a lot of teachers haven't been taught about presentation skills specifically, so it can be a bit daunting. E even though teachers technically are up in front of an audience every day, it's different, of course, when you have to speak in front of your peers, and so that's a big difference. But yeah, specifically, they just haven't been taught, and so they don't know what to teach. What are some of the things that you think teachers need to know about it before they get started? Actually, I, I've put together several talks, and I did one recently in Turkey that, that took about an hour and a half talking about what teachers can do regarding presentation skills. And so there's there's a ton that people need to know, but uh, if you've read my book, you know that I, I put a whole chapter in there about common errors that the presenters make. One of the things you talk about in your book is how you don't need to be teaching an entire syllabus that's only on presentation skills. You can use a little bit here and there. Um, can you tell us a little bit more about that? Well, I guess a lot of teachers don't have the opportunity to teach a full semester of nothing but presentation skills. And so when they're teaching a speaking class or when they're teaching a history class, there are still opportunities to give students the chance to get up in front of the class and say something or even even learn how to make presentations in small groups if they're able to teach them some of the skills. And that's what I wanted the book to help people with. What are some of the advantages of someone? Say, let's, let's say you're teaching, you have to teach a module on history in English. I'm not saying that it would make that class better, but I think certainly there are students, I know I might have been one of them, who was not super excited in history and I wanted to get a little bit more out of that class than just memorizing dates and learning about what happened in the past because I can look it up myself on the internet these days. So anytime you can introduce something else into a class, 
um, and give students who are interested in more of the communicative aspect of things an opportunity to enjoy that, I think that can make the class more meaningful to those students. So let's say you decided you were going to introduce some presentations into class. Where would you start? Well, I was having this discussion with someone the other day, and we, we were trying to figure out do we need to specifically teach the skills first and then give them chances to practice? Or do we sort of throw them in the water and say, OK, no, you're not swimming the right way and sort of point out what they could be doing better? So that's that's kind of a debate that's going on right now and that I'm not sure I have the answer to even. All right. And then let's imagine you're in a situation instead where you have to put together a full a full syllabus about presentation skills. What would the starting point look like for that? What were, what were some of the first skills you'd teach? One of the things I started doing and I'm really excited about is making sure that, A, we don't give assessed uh, number grades until they've had a chance to practice and get regular feedback. And so like a midterm exam is maybe in my class the first time that they actually get a graded result of their presentation. But by that time, they've been up in front of the class three or four times already. Uh, another thing I, I like is that they first practice sitting down in a small group to give a presentation, but where they can work on some of the other elements like uh, eye contact, rotating where you're looking, managing your time, things like that. And then they would do it standing up, but in their small group, which would give them some repetition and then change the way that they're looking at everyone, because that makes a huge difference when they stand up for the first time. And then they go and do it in front of the room. But by that time, it's not as freaky because they have some feeling of how it's going to go. Uh, what are some of the skills you might try and get across to the students before they start doing that? Well, again, if they're doing it at their table, unless they all have laptops, they're probably not going to be using a lot of visuals. So at that time, they can focus on, like I said, the time management. They're going to work on some delivery aspects, and they're going to work on making sure they're very familiar with the content and maybe even take a question so that they can be expecting what's going to happen more for the questions. One of the things I found when I've taught presentation skills in the past is that students will often just read their, read their notes or read their slides. What are some steps you can do to try and fix that kind of problem? You know, I've seen some teachers that do that too. I've seen some teachers that turn around and end up talking to their slides or reading a lot of their slides for the entire class. And students notice that. And some of them, you know, when I mentioned that in a training, they chuckled because they know exactly which teachers we're talking about. So it, it's tough. It's tough to to look at your audience. It's tough to make that connection with the people out there who might be strangers. That's not an easy thing to do especially when you're presenting in a second or third language, right? So I, I understand that when there's a real language issue, having the script can be very useful. The problem with having a, a full script uh, in your hands is that it's just too tempting not to read it because it's been meticulously worked on and gone over. And so you, you have a lot of confidence in that. It's easier to read than to than to just talk. So that's, the, that's one issue. But then, of course, if you use a note cards, it's not as obvious if you then if you have an A4 piece of paper in front of you. But on note cards, obviously, you want to use them to, to prompt you to talk about certain things. So you want to put keyword and phrases, not full sentences, because as soon as you put full sentences, it's begging you to read it. Right, okay. So what, um, what are some of the steps you can take? Because something I've done in the class is you kind of ban them. You say you have 20 words you can use on your paper, or you've got like 50 words on your paper. Um, I like that. It makes them be very efficient with that. But again, it's it's more of if they if they forget what they were going to talk about next, not what they were going to say next. And so one of the things I teach about that is to, to try to make sure they understand the audience doesn't know what you were planning to say. 
as teachers, we go in there with a plan, but we don't know everything we're going to say. And we, we get ex- inspired by something. We go off on a tangent and we start talking about other things and we, we rein it back in and we get back on topic or we go, oh, this I forgot I wanted to talk about this. And we start talking about that. Now, again, we're fluent in the language that we're using where the students may not be. So Again, if you're teaching to first language speakers, then I would say you want to make sure that you're comfortable in what you're planning to say. But if it's a second language speaker, then they may need more training and more practice, maybe to get more familiar with the content. What are some topics you often use for presentation classes that you think are good? Great question. I don't. I would never tell them what topic to use. In fact, we go through a a very rigorous brainstorming activity where we ask the two main questions for brainstorming. Why me and why you? So they need to ask, why am I choosing? Why do I know about this topic? Is it about uh, Italy because I went to Italy last summer vacation? Is it about uh, good restaurants in Pusan, South Korea? Because I grew up in Pusan, South Korea, and I can recommend some places. So they need to choose something that they are already familiar with. But then they also need to make sure the audience cares and is interested and wants to know about that. And so it can be tough navigating that, but I don't give them topics. I do give them styles to focus on. So it could be this week we're doing an informative presentation, and this week we're doing a persuasive presentation, and this week is a sales presentation, but I don't give them topics. How exactly would that work? Because I guess they don't really have anything to sell. So they're giving a sales presentation. What would that look like? Uh, they're talking about the benefits and features of whatever, their phone or their backpack or you know, some gadget they've got at home or in their dorm room, something like that. Even food that they like. I had one do it on a pack of gum and I thought this is going to be terrible, but it was actually fairly entertaining. This gum versus that gum. I was, I learned a lot about gum that day. Well, if they're pitching the next big startup, that can be a whole different thing. But, you know, if they want to pitch an idea too, it's, it's a little bit harder, but it's, it's along the same lines of features and benefits and features and benefits. And most people, just stick to the features and forget to actually build the value of their product or service by mentioning the benefits, but you need to connect the two. I think that's good training for the real world as well. Like if you ever do job interview training or something like this, people often go in and they just say, oh, I'm going to tell you why this job is really good for me, not why am I really good for you. So I think that's important for them. Yeah, precisely. I do that in my writing classes, too. I think that it's really important to, to think about the audience before you start writing. And then uh, I think it's important to try to make writing projects as practical as possible as well. Yeah, I, I try and do that, too. You've got to kind of think of the think of the why. It's just like sometimes I find it difficult. Like sometimes it's very artificial. Yeah, a five-paragraph essay for the sake of a five-paragraph essay is not nearly as motivating as write something that you could send into a newspaper as a letter to the editor, which has the same format. Okay, can you tell me a little bit about teaching presentation skills to different age groups? Obviously, I've mainly focused on adults, but I wanted to think back to opportunities that I had as a younger person to do this in class. And I remember very early being, you know, having a chance to go to the front of the room and have to say something. And in fact, on Monday, my daughter's school had some sort of open class where the teachers or the parents could go and and watch. And they all went up to the front and read a poem that they had written. And only one of the kids out of about 30 used a big voice and was very confident. And I thought, wow, see, the teacher did prod some of the ones who mumbled a lot more and, and whispered their poem to use a bigger voice. But 
they all eyes down and read them. One had the, the paper completely in front of their face. So even at that point, I think there's an opportunity to start doing that, to start pushing some of the skills and, and explaining some of the good points and bad points that they can do when they're presenting. Again, show and tell, even younger than that. And then when they get older and they're starting to do things like book reports or movie reviews and things like that, they can come up and start in, in small groups explaining what they're doing. But it's up to the teacher to sort of point out things that they could be doing better, not just have them do it and let it go. I was seeing somewhere, it might have been one of those, it's in the newspaper, it's a study, but it's not really scientific. People are more f afraid of, of giving a presentation than almost anything else. Uh, do you think that's true? I, I don't know if that's, <laughs> if that's really true, but I do know that even when I was a university student, I was a terrible presenter. I was very scared about that, but it all goes back to being comfortable and being aware of what you should be doing and of course, an, another big part of what I teach in the workshops I teach is talking about the, the psychological side of it, the deciding to focus on the positives and focusing on the things you can control instead of worrying about the things you can't. That being said, I should take my own medicine because I remember the first day of every semester I ever taught in my 15 years at the university, I had a stomach ache the first day of every semester because I couldn't predict who was going to show up, what they were going to be like. If anyone was going to show up, you know, you, you imagine the sky is falling and then you show up and they're all fine. I want to ask, like, what are some mistakes that you often see from students that you try and correct in your presentation classes? Can I talk a little bit about the mistakes I see from plenary speakers at conferences, too? Oh, please do. Yeah, I can tell you some stories about this as well. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, I was just at an event recently where the plenary speaker spoke through the entire 30-minute coffee break. Oh, really? So time management is something that you'd think if someone had months and months to plan and they were being flown over and put up and treated so well, you'd think they'd be able to get close to hitting their time. But I see big name speakers miss their time all the time. And so that's that's my big pet peeve is especially if you're right before, say, lunch or right before a break and you're like, you know what, I want to just keep talking. So you guys stay in your seats. Don't worry about that lunch. Don't worry about that break. Yeah, because I, I know in the book you mentioned this happening at another point in the past. I was talking to Mike, who also helped edit and publish this book, about it. And I said, oh, I know when this happened because I was there when that happened and it ran over to lunch. He's like, no, there are about five different occasions that you could be referring to. Yeah, you know one of them, but uh, <laughs> we can make a long list. So, of course, with the kids, it's the same thing. The kids have trouble uh, when you give them, say, okay, you have three and a half to four and a half minutes to give your talk, and then they plan their introduction and maybe one minute each for their three examples or three reasons, and then they hit their conclusion, you think, okay, you should be able to get this done in four minutes. And they practice and they practice, and then they get up there and they decide to ramble during the introduction, or they decide to pause so many times and remember what they were going to say that it goes into the five-minute territory. And if you think about it, that's 20% more time than you've given them. So imagine you have a one-hour class and you go 20% over your time. The students are going to rebel. So, so you can't do it that way. So time management, I think, is my number one big thing that I really, really push. But that being said, if I could tell you this story... I had a student from Azerbaijan, and she got a, a B in the class because she went over so long on her midterm exam presentation. Well, she's now a big government official and goes all over the world making talks, and she teases me every now and then and calls me the, the B professor. 
But she does that, and she also reminds me that she's always keeping her time now and notices when other people don't do that. So you know what? It was worth it. Really important one. Sometimes when I've taught this in the past, I've had students who can't get to the full, like if they have a five-minute presentation to give, they, they'll speak for two minutes and they kind of trail off. What would you say to those students? Uh, there's probably a couple of reasons why that happened. One is uh, they got very excited, and when you get excited, you don't speak slower. You speak faster. So certainly trying to remind people to slow down, especially in the first 30 seconds. You know, the first 30 seconds are generally the worst 30 seconds because you've got that hurricane going on in your brain and you can't focus and you don't know what's happening and you just burr, 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 go really fast. And then you go, oh, oh my gosh, I've got so much time left. So that's number one. And then number two, you know, they weren't really prepared. They, they didn't have enough content in front of them with their notes to remind them to talk about this and remind them to talk about that. Or, you know, I mean, the slides are there to remind you to tell stories and give information and tell, give examples. So between all those things and then, again, I don't expect a student necessarily to be able to do this, but certainly expert or uh, presenters who have been doing it for a long time, they have to be able to squish and they have to be able to stretch. So they need to be able to cut things when when. Things suddenly go wrong. Uh, I remember I was in Cambodia at Cam Tiesel many years ago, and the power went out in the middle of a plenary and took about 15 minutes. So I thought, oh, my gosh, is she going to go 15 minutes over and, and mess up the schedule the rest of the day? Nope. Once everything came back on and she got started again, she finished exactly on time because she knew where to cut some stories and cut some examples. And never skipped a slide, but cut enough of the details that she finished right on time and we would never would have known she was really really good that's good i've seen a few before you kind of see they run out of time and they just stop two-thirds of the way through and you don't get any of the conclusions you don't get any of the stuff or the skip 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 don't worry about that skip 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 and you're like well why did you make it if it's not that important right but but no then again if you also have a lot of extra time i don't know if you want to you don't apologize but you say i think that's what i want to talk about today and then turn it into a small discussion, take more time for questions. And then again, if you're giving, say, a 45-minute talk somewhere and you finish five minutes early, no one's going to mind if you say, you know what, if you guys need to go, that's fine. I'll be here to answer any questions. Thanks for coming. Everyone appreciates that. Yeah, especially if it's just before lunch, I think. Absolutely. First in <laughs> line, yeah. And then I guess the other student I'd like to get your advice is, what about this, the painfully shy student who, even though they practiced a lot and they get to the midterm, they've given speeches in a small group before, but I've seen it like in a class of 15 to 20, you might always have maybe one or two, in my experience, maybe not in yours, but there's always one or two who will just kind of and not, not be able to give a full speech or not be able to give an audible speech. I don't think I've had anyone... Maybe one in all the years I've taught actually just bow out and say, you know what, I, I'm not, I can't do it today. But some of them struggle through and don't do very well. You know, it's funny. A lot of people will look at me and say, look, I'm very introverted, so I can't do that. But true story, some of the best presenters I know are introverts. And it's weird. They get up there on stage. They know what they want to say. They get up there. They say it. They say it with energy. They say it with enthusiasm. It's amazing. Then they get off stage, and they don't want to talk to anybody. They don't want to do the small talk and the handshakes and the, the back. They just like want to get out of there. So it, I, I wouldn't blame that shyness is a whole different thing. Uh, confidence is a whole different thing. But I, when people say, oh, I'm an introvert, well, fair enough. You know what? I have some introverted tendencies too. But when the spotlight's on, it's time to go. I can kind of see, see that. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I'm introverted or extroverted, but sometimes you know, I just want to 
everyone leave me alone. <laughs> I just want to read a book or something as well. Okay, um, the last thing I wanted to ask you about was about grading, because I know um, this is a big issue for a lot of teachers. Often you'll say, oh, I want to teach this new course, but if you don't have a way of giving a grade at the end of it, a lot of managers or senior people in a university or whoever are going to say, oh, well, if you can't give me a grade or if the grade isn't objective, like well, I say objective, I'm doing air quotes for everyone who's listening. <laughs> yeah, because it's just often it might seem like, oh, this is my opinion about how you're good your speeches, but maybe two people watch a speech and one of them likes it and one of them doesn't like it. So how, how would you try and convince someone that this is something you can grade? And maybe how would you grade it? Yeah, that's really true because it's it's like music. And, and I enjoy asking students their opinions about different other their classmates presentations sometimes because they notice things that I didn't notice and I'll notice things that they didn't notice and one student will say this really bothered me and another student will say I didn't really care it didn't bother me at all so that being said there is a lot of personal opinion that goes into that that being said generally you know if you go to any presentation skills textbook which I don't use uh, you will see generally a large list of check items that they need to be doing or a very long wordy rubric that explains everything they need to be doing. And the problem with using those is your head's down the entire time and you're not watching them and their delivery and you're not looking at the visuals. Uh, actually, I submitted a proposal to an assessment conference in Japan for this December. And this is sort of the topic is about assessing presentation skills. So obviously I look at three main factors. I look at the, are they prepared? I look at, is their delivery solid enough and not distracting in the audience from what they're trying to say? And then is the content organized and appropriate for the audience and the length of time they have? So when you do those three things, you, you find yourself making notes and saying, this bothered me enough to take off one point. This bothered me enough to take off two points. And then maybe for time management, you'd have ranges and say, if you're 15 seconds over the window I've given you, 30 seconds over the window I've given you, I'm going to take off X number of points. If you take off a point for poor eye contact, because they're reading or they're looking at the, the ghost in the, around the ceiling of the room or whatever, then I might say, oh, you know what? You, you really needed to have better eye contact where someone else was like, hey, it didn't bother me. It was fine because I was sort of looking around or I was looking at their slides anyway, so I didn't notice where they were looking. Yeah. yeah I've seen students who are just make eye contact with one half of the room and not the other half. So maybe oh, those guys are going to be happy. And... It's funny because they actually do that in small groups too. They'll do that with a table of four is that they'll look straight and they'll look to the person say on their left and the person on the right gets no love at all. And I'm like... Well, see, let's look at their score. Their score is terrible for your eye contact, and theirs is very good. So, yeah, exactly what you were saying. It, and, yeah, it makes a big difference what people, maybe they're not prepared to, to look into those things as well. Yeah, and what's kind of, um, well, actually, I'll tell you a story first, and I'll ask the question. So I had a student, um, that their English was really good. They were very, like, they'd done very well in the IELTS test the year before. And I remember them giving this presentation, and you see it was a four-minute presentation, and they get to the end, and I'm like, right, okay, if you sit down and shut up right now, you've got an A. And it went on and on and on. So I think they ended up getting a C plus in the end. And they came up to me um, afterwards, and they were really upset they got a C plus. They're like, but Tim, my IELTS score is like a 7.5. And that guy's IELTS score is a, a not, not 7.5, like a 5 or 5.5 or something. It's like, how can his score be better than mine? If you're doing presentation skills training in a foreign or second language context would what would your philosophy be how much of it is about 
having good good English and how much of it is about having good presentation skills? Well, I wrote a blog post, I don't know, maybe a month ago, kind of about this. And it was basically saying, whenever I go to an international conference and let's say that the speaker, their English is not great. Um, maybe it's really hard because of the accent or uh, the word choice is like, wow, I'm not sure where you got that word, but it's kind of hard to listen to them. But if they do two things, I usually can let it go. And one, of course, is to speak with energy and enthusiasm. So they need to bring some passion and some volume and really seem to want to be there. So that's one. And then two is if if it's a longer thing, especially if they tell me some stories and they make it personal and they bring some, some personal information into it, that's a lot easier to listen to than just fact, 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 data, data, fact, fact. So I would tell the kids the same thing. I would say, look, you came into this class at the English level you're at, I'll, I'll help as much as I can. And certainly if you're practicing and I, I notice that no one can understand this word you're saying, I might work with you on that word or that phrase or, or something like that. But I'm not a miracle worker and I can't flip the switch and make you an amazing English speaker like that. So uh, I, I don't have that make a lot of weight in, in my class. Thanks for listening. It might be a few weeks before the next episode because it's final times on my master's course at the moment. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and you'll be updated as soon as the next episode is out. Bye! Whiskey, soda, and rock and roll. Whiskey, soda, and rock and roll. Whiskey, soda, and rock and roll.